0: The most pleasant exhaustion podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highecheloncpa.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highecheloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at elemental altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing, such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing, which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at ElementalAltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is ElementalAltitude.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at BluePineappleTravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel Advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance's mission is to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL Coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. and welcome back to the most pleasant exhaustion podcast brought to you by high echelon pc itl coaching and performance blue pineapple travel and elemental altitude training center my name is george darden i'm an endurance athlete and coach in atlanta georgia i'm a father of twin boys and i'm a college professor
1: my name is michelle frank i'm also an endurance athlete in atlanta georgia i'm a mom to three girls and a cpa
0: and i'm
2: eric Cole. i'm an endurance athlete and coach in raleigh north carolina the father to three college-age students, and the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa.
0: The gang is all back together again. I'm glad to see y'all. Let's do a quick round the horn. Michelle, what you been up to?
1: Um, <laughs> since we talked about the book, I don't know. Uh, Des actually released a podcast, and in it, she talked about the backpack tweet, which I thought was pretty funny since we had just talked about it, and I haven't heard her mention that or reference that, I don't know, maybe since 2017. So, she, um, so so,
0: in other words, she clearly listened to our review of her book. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Um, have run very few miles this week, kind of the way I want it right now. Got into strength workouts, um, yeah. planning another one this weekend and then sort of, I don't know, like a 60 to 90 minute run seems about good for now. It's, uh beautiful weather outside, no suffering at all. Um, Definitely nice and cool 38 degree morning. So, you know, Um, but otherwise
0: 38 degrees Celsius, you mean, yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah. not much, just, you know, the final days of summer over here. So I'm,
0: I'm impressed, Michelle. I, you know, so one of the things that has been sitting on our google doc that we all share for the podcast here where we kind of sketch out what it is we're going to talk about and we make program notes and all that sort of thing one of the things that's gone on there permanently since january 1st is strength work check-in and it's highlighted and i was purposely not going to ask you about it even though we made a point to ask you about it all throughout 2023 here because i figured that you know you're you're still kind of in post lead bill recovery mode and you haven't quite locked on to the next goal yet and all that sort of thing But you said you've already done two this week and you have a third plan for this weekend?
1: Yeah, so I started back last week. I did three um, and then I was embarrassingly sore from just like reverse lunges, like serious soreness, um, just because it had been, I don't know, like a few weeks since I had held any weight. Um, But it's just some kind of more mobility type stuff now. And um, everything else is just kind of body weight and just kind of getting my body moving again. So they're pretty short. I don't think I've well, one time I think I uploaded one that said like 26 or 36 minutes, but it's just cuz I forgot to stop my watch. <laughs> They're pretty short. <laughs> it's like 22ish and, and, minutes.
0: <laughs> and you and you just upload it as is. You're like, "Oh, we're good."
1: Well, you can't edit the time, can you?
0: So, you like, can. Yeah. Oh. You can edit anything. Yeah. You can you can you can go in, select the part that you want to get rid of and just hit cut.
1: Even if uh. you like like distance even on a run,
0: Oh yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all time.
1: You well, just yeah. you cut
2: back the time, and it'll, so if if you forget to turn off your watch at the end of a run, you can go back into a crop,
3: mm-hmm. and you can. Oh, they've actually changed
2: it recently to where when in Strava you can do that on your phone. It used mm-hmm. to be something you could only do through the web.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of effort, guys. I just <laughs> <laughs> stop my watch so, and hit save.
2: Speaking so. of a lot of effort, uh, I'm going to call George out because George said that he didn't want to ask about strength workouts because he was concerned about your state michelle i actually think it's more he didn't want to be called out on what he calls a strength workout when he goes into his garage for 11 minutes or whatever and you think i'm going into my garage
0: (laughs) (laughs) think again man (laughs) not quite no, I, I it's been so, very
2: clear that Michelle's been doing her strength
0: workout, George. I'm not sure. so sure about yours. Well, so so I I am now less than eight weeks until the Berlin Marathon. Um, and and by the same token that about eight weeks out from the London Marathon, I started doing a whole lot more of kind of just routine body weight strength work, um, like sets of push ups and crunches and planks and and things like that. Um, I, I started doing those a little bit more this week and, and of course, in order to hold myself more accountable, I started putting them on Strava. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I would not, I, I would not argue that that they are nearly the high quality strength workouts that you and Michelle have both engaged in over the course of the past several months, um, uh, by any stretch, I definitely would not say that. Um, but yeah, I'm doing a little bit of it. I've done, I've done three so far this week. I'll do a couple more. I think I, uh, I, I commented to one of your criticisms on Strava that I'm going more for, for frequency than it, than duration, uh, which is true. So
1: um, I did not criticize you.
0: <laughs> yes. Just to your credit, to Michelle, scared. you said, you said some strength work is better than no strength work, which I'm inclined to agree with. Yes. You know,
2: I, I read something and I don't know if we actually talked about it, but I read something about. Uh, And it was about like how to get started in a strength work program. And the comment was figure out what you can do one or two times a week. And if that's 10 minutes, do it. Because what's more important than say volume is consistency. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I think we've talked about this many, many, many times. Consistency trumps everything. You know, if you're doing 30 miles a week, but you're doing two 15 mile runs and they're random. That's not as effective as if you're doing, you know, uh, five, six mile runs and you're consistent about it and you have right. a deliberate approach. So George, Agreed. kudos, kudos to well, you getting kudos.
0: Him. I'm only three workouts in, so I wouldn't call myself consistent <laughs> just yet, but I appreciate it, buddy. Um, we'll see if I can get number four here today and then maybe number five and perhaps even number six. There I do six very short strength workouts in a single week. I can't imagine I that I would, but we'll see.
2: I'd- but your six workouts would not equal one of Michelle's workouts. <laughs> My so. six,
0: you're right. My six workouts would be, would be about an hour and 15 minutes total at most. Um, yeah, you're right about that. But that's
2: only because Michelle forgets to turn her watch off and she's too lazy to crop an activity.
1: <laughs> well, I actually think some of the days might be a little bit longer, but I get sent this like yoga flow and I look at it and I'm just like, No. <laughs> bye-bye i'm going running now
0: <laughs> so i feel you on that uh, one i feel you I on
1: just, that one i wish i like i would like to like yoga i would like to like understand it and be able to do it but it's just not in my in my wheelhouse um in my life right now so
0: i feel you on that my uh my wife is uh uh well practiced in yoga Um, I'm jealous. And and I've been to a couple of yoga sessions with her over the course of the past couple of months, as a matter of fact. Um, And I was kind of hoping we were going to fall into a habit of going fairly regularly together, like on Wednesdays and or Fridays. And that hasn't really happened as it turned out, but maybe we can get it going here over the fall. We'll see. Yoga is one of those things that, well, kind of like for you, Michelle, I think it would be profoundly beneficial to me as an athlete and as a person, but the mental cost is so high that it's just hard to make myself do it. Um, so
1: when when the first sixty seconds of the video just says go to a certain pose and I don't know what that is off the top of my head,
0: <laughs> it's like
1: this is not for me. Like, well,
0: it's funny. So so I first went to yoga probably, um, and I went with my wife, and it was probably thirteen or fourteen years ago, um, and and it was before we had kids and. We were living in town and I remember we went to a hot yoga class and we went to some other yoga. We went to two or three yoga classes and I remember feeling very self-conscious there. Um, And over the course of the past 14, 12, 14 years, however long it's been, I've done so much more yoga just like in my house um, using apps and that sort of thing. Um, And I have 14 more years of maturing as a person that when I've gone with her over the course of the past month or so, I haven't felt nearly as self-conscious as I had been before. Um, and so, yeah, I do feel as if I've, I've grown in some ways over the course of the past 14 years. So I guess that's probably a good thing. Um, but yeah, I don't yeah, think the, you the, could catch me
2: ever in a class yeah? for yoga. I, I am definitely a closet
0: yoga or <laughs> a, yogur. a yogurt 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 So is a is yogi that what yogurt is a yogi. <laughs> a yogi. <laughs> okay. Yogi. Um, but so why, the, why, did, so why is that though? Why, why wouldn't you want to go to a class?
2: It's that would be way too much effort, like to actually like go somewhere to mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. um, however my, my my however point was the pre-ride yoga that they had on Sufferfest. right was absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. and i would do that before every race
3: mm-hmm.
2: it was called like active ride activation or mm-hmm. whatever and then there was a post-ride thing just for your legs and these were cyclist specific yoga activities and i thought those were both phenomenal and i think they actually helped me mm-hmm. so i was yeah. very in tune with that when i had suffer
0: fest and i did those uh, often yep yep yeah suffer fest and which is now um wahoo bought suffer fest and i can't remember system system that's it thank you and of course they leave out one of the values of vowels since it's since it's Wahoo, but anyway um as they do in in so many of their their naming <laughs> things but uh anyway uh they uh they incorporate that now into this overarching training app that they have um and yeah th- there's some really good solid 15 minute yoga sessions um that, that were part of sufferfest that i i went through a stretch of using those in the first half of 2018 um and they were good and they were solid I think that they were effective um but but yoga has been one of those things that I tend to to go through these little phases where I'll do them for a little while and then I'll fall out and I'll do them for a little while longer. Really? We've we've
2: never noticed that about you.
0: Yeah, I know. Right. I know. So now That's I'm in, nice. So now I'm in this little strength work phase. I, I, I'm consistent with cycling and running. <laughs> there we go. You are. There you go. So, there we go. Um, and with that in mind, yeah. So my, my training, like I said, with eight weeks to go to Berlin has definitely turned up a notch over the course of the last little while here. I uh, uh, didn't do a whole lot of training or at least didn't do a very high level of training um, on purpose throughout June and July, at least when it comes to running, because my Achilles was bothering me a whole lot in June and July. Um, and then with that in mind, I ended up uh, renting a contraption that's called a lever movement. Um, And it was recommended first by Alyssa Godeski, who's a professional triathlete that I know. Um, And she used to be uh, 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 teammates with my wife. She's currently the co-host of a podcast um, with a friend of our podcast, Haley Chura. Um, and, uh, I had seen on Instagram where she had injured her knee uh, and she's been using this lever movement contraption. And essentially what it is, is it works like an alter G treadmill. Um, and, and you put this thing on the arms of your treadmill. Um, you wrap a bungee cord around you and through the hips of these custom shorts. Um, and it just lifts you up a little bit and you go running on your treadmill with a little bit less weight on your feet. Um, and she had said that she's able to put in plenty of miles, and her knee has been improving despite the fact that she had a pretty significant injury to uh, one of her meniscuses. Um, sure this guy. I mean, um,
1: she, she needs surgery essentially. So she's just trying ultimately. to make it through. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and so I I was able to rent one because you can you can buy one or you can rent one to own. Um, and so I rented one, um, and uh, damned if it doesn't do exactly what it says it's supposed to do. <laughs> Um, I also reached out to another guy that I know named Herb Crable, who is uh, one of the writers for Slow Twitch. Um, and uh, I asked him if it was great. And he said, believe the hype, it's fantastic. Um, and so I got one and it was really good. The guy who won y'all's race, the Leadville 50, is one of the founders of founders, the company. Yeah. Um, And he said that four weeks out from the race, he was unable to run because his knee was bothering him so much. And so he ended up doing more than half of his training in the last month leading up to the Leadville 50 on this lever movement device. And he was fit enough to be able to win the race. Um, So, yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm not quite ready to to proclaim it to be the uh, cure to all of my Achilles pain woes, um, but it's kind of fun. And it's sort of interesting to run when you're 25 pounds lighter.
1: (laughs) Was it hard to set it up?
0: No, it's profoundly easy. Wow. Um, and And that's one of the striking things about it. I told Eric that as an engineer, he would either really appreciate or really not appreciate how simple the design was. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's actually extremely easy and, and it comes with a case. And so if you wanted to, I could take it apart and I could take it to elemental altitude um, and I could set it up on one of their treadmills and I could run light, more lightweight on my feet and at at altitude. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I don't know that I'll actually do that. Um, uh, I probably will at some point. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool. I did not use it because it would be cheating. Um, I did not use it during the Zwift duathlon that I did the other night, um, which was a challenge. Um, but uh, but but yeah, Zwift has just started this brand new weekly duathlon series uh, through WTRL, which is separate from Zwift but is effectively like the quasi official uh, Zwift racing company. Um, and, uh, uh they started to do out a new duathlon. Um, they have 10 sections, 10 different options, different times of the day when you can actually do it. I had originally been planning to do it at two o'clock in the afternoon, but I had had a morning workout where I got a little bit dehydrated. So I scratched myself out of it and then started feeling better by the end of the day. So I decided why not hop in the last section of the day. And I did the 10 o'clock, the 10 PM duathlon section. So I warmed up for it after putting my sons to bed um and and did 35 hard minutes on the the, the course there on Zwift and then had a five minute transition, hopped on the treadmill and ran 20 hard minutes on the treadmill. It was Sounds pretty good a tough way to end my Wednesday <laughs>
1: <laughs> at like midnight.
0: <laughs> yes, it was. This is what it feels like for me to try and train when I stack up so much fatigue because that's so much a part of my training philosophy that oh man, some of these things that I do are a little bit crazy and definitely very painful. So
1: yeah, not everybody likes to train with that much fatigue.
0: So that's where (laughs) I am. So, so
2: similarly, I am, I think I'm on mental more than physical fatigue. Um, I've been trying to reestablish the routine I had going into Silver Rush Mm
3: -hmm.
2: because I had a really good routine. Uh, I was training mostly in the morning. Um, I was actually, you know, I had a I had a workout plan and I was following it day by day, week by week It built up. And I've just struggled with that since we came back from Colorado, just getting back into the groove. I'm still getting the workouts in. I'm still doing the miles, but actually, you know, enacting a plan has been tough. Um, it's been tough I will say,
0: mentally or it's been tough logistically I, or what do you mean?
2: I think it's mental. I think I, I think mentally I put so much effort into that leading up to silver rush that after it, I just didn't have it. Maybe, it maybe works, you know, maybe there's other things going on, but it's really like mentally. So I take Monday to do strength work and usually I don't do anything else. And on Tuesday, uh, a coworker of mine said, Hey, do you want to run over lunch? Uh, we couldn't schedule a meeting that we needed to schedule. So we figured we'd just talk on a run and I'm like, yes, but you can only get so many miles in over lunch. So I went out in the morning. I did a nice, Easy four miles. He and I ran over lunch and he was kind of pushing the pace. So there was more it was almost like a tempo run. And in the Plus last, it's
0: plus it's midday in yeah. North Carolina. <laughs> it in, wasn't quite as August. bad as
2: it has been. It wasn't yeah, quite okay. as bad as it has been. And in the last 15 minutes of the run, I get this text from Grace, my daughter, who is an ultra marathoner. Hey, do you want to run tonight?
0: <laughs> and so
2: i i, I which of course you're going to say
0: yes because if you're if your 19 20 year old daughter says says hey do you want to run hey do you want to yeah. hang out dad there is only one answer and it right. is yes yeah. and so i
2: so i said i said yes and then as i was like getting changed to come back up to my office. I was like, so how far do you want to go?
0: Oh, just 12
2: to 15.
0: Oh my God. What? (laughs) Oh my God.
1: No, no, Grace. No.
2: (laughs) And I said, so, so, uh, what, what pace are we looking at here? Well, you know, I wanted to go a little faster than usual. And and that's why she was asking to run with me because she knows I like, I'll push her a little harder than if she's just running by herself. I drove up, I, I left work, drove up to Chapel Hill and we ran 14 miles well we ran 13 miles together when she turned off to go to her house which is like a half mile away and she, i said how far are we from the car and she's like oh it's only like half a mile it was a mile point seven. It <laughs> was two miles from the car
0: <laughs> i was like oh my gosh so you had four miles in the morning 15 miles in the evening how many did you I, run at lunch i ran about 24 25 miles oh geez it was
2: I did 25 miles on Tuesday.
0: You are you are Blue Ridge Relay ready.
2: Well, you know, so the funny thing was, I told her, I said, "Grace, I've already run 10 miles today." And she said, and it's in my Strava thing. She said she had a couple of like quick comments like, "Ooh, that's not good." And then she said, "Or this is great BRR training." Right? <laughs> and so that's what I actually named the run on Strava when I ran with her.
3: Absolutely. But I got
2: home at like 9:30. PM and I kind of drug myself into the house and I looked at Melissa, my wife, and I said, She tried to kill me.
0: (laughs) I feel like maybe this is the reason why you feel as if you're lacking motivation right now. (laughs) This is maybe the reason why you're feeling mentally tired.
1: It's like honestly, Eric, I don't I don't know the I could not, um, I don't care how much I like wanted to be with my friends or run a certain race. If I had Blue Ridge Relay. And the time span between silver rush and then like i i don't actually know how you're doing it so kudos to that because i am i mean i i probably feel the best physically but mentally emotionally financially it's like no way <laughs> no mm-hmm. schedule no like there just can't be anything but exactly what i want to do when i want to do it for a little hey,
0: bit <laughs> eric i want to hear what your response to what michelle just said is um and of course i, I should mention just by way of background that we're now a little bit less than six weeks. We're actually five weeks from today, from our recording date from starting the Blue Ridge Relay, um, which means, of course, we need to start talking about it incessantly on this podcast. Um, but, uh, uh, um, but but to me, I think part of it, or at least I feel like part of it for Eric, um, and Eric, I'm speaking for you, and so so tell me if I'm totally wrong here, is the fact that Blue Ridge Relay was always kind of a given. Like, like there was never any question whether it was going to happen. And that's kind of the way I feel about it, even for myself. I mean, it's two weeks before Berlin, but I was never going to not do it. Do you know what I mean? And so in in terms of like, so you don't, yeah, but you don't have to like get up for it. It's not like, okay, I just did this one race and now I have to get up for this other race. It was always going to, going to be there. It was always going to have to happen. Um, and you always want it to happen. I mean, I look, I look forward to it all year long. I think Eric probably does too. I yeah. did
2: and and yeah. silver rush was a big deal to me but it was it wasn't like my a race for the year mm-hmm. right it was a huge deal because we were flying out there but i i talked about this on the on the silver rush podcast it was more about melissa and grace than it was about me and so it's really just kind of like a piece of the puzzle to get to blue ridge relay mm-hmm. um now if you want to know what's really stupid michelle you have to remember that a week after the blue ridge Relay this 24 hour race where I'm going to run close to 50 miles with warm-ups and cool downs. I'm going to run over 50 miles. I'm going to run a 12 hour race mm-hmm. again, because that's a race
3: because that Grace, Grace and I to do together. That. Yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly. But, 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 but no, and, and, but Eric's done this before this. He's, he's done this 12 hour race several times before. Right. Too, but so.
1: never, never as like part of a trilogy of a 50 mile race at high altitude <laughs> right? of the Ridge Relay. We're and then always this-
0: looking for yes! the next challenge, Michelle. This is the point. <laughs> It why just gets find better. mount everest because it's there you know he's done it as part of of a two-part series many many times that's no longer a challenge let's do it part of a three-part series now um, that's how we're going to make it a challenge
2: now on that note i i wanted to make a shout out since you already opened up the blue ridge relay folder i feel like now we can, we can leaf through it. <laughs> the gloves are off. Here we go, the Michelle. Yeah. Your favorite is time coming. of year. <laughs> no, no. Shout out to, um, uh, brother, Brian Hetherington, who, um, I think we mentioned on a previous podcast, about he, it, yeah. he wrecked during an Ironman. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just looked on Strava. He is not only biking again. He biked with us over the weekend. Zwift, it was Zwift, but he's really biking. He's got a few runs in under his belt. They're not fast and they're not long, but he actually is running. And I saw he did a swim and he said that was the one he was most worried about because of the dislocated shoulder. So Mm -hmm. kudos to Brian. Great job, you know, on your recovery. Now I'm going to link this to,
0: um, that's, that's exciting to me for a variety of reasons. The number one reason, by the way, is of course that Brian is okay. But the number exactly. two reason Seriously. closely followed is that means that I'm not going to have to go I'm out to and race 50 extra. plus miles two weeks
2: before Berlin. <laughs> yeah, he's I think he's probably going to be able to do a little bit more. So the current it. plan has you in the 40 range. So has it does. Brett and I in the 47 mile range, yeah, yeah. Um, which I can, I think I can handle that. Now I, I did get the zipper 31 right now. That's mm-hmm. the not excited about that, uh, that, that will come as we get closer mm-hmm. um but i wanted to i wanted to link this and i want i'm because i know brian listens to the podcast all right he's going to listen i wanted to link this to something that um another blue ridge relay member our team member uh lee ragsdale he he sent me one of these uh science of running mm-hmm. uh articles from uh steve uh, mangus magnus. Mm-hmm. magnus um and he's <laughs> and it's called um uh, how a need to prove yourself in practice can ruin race day performance. Mm. (laughs) And and I mean, I, this is typically me. And I actually mentioned this in the last podcast that usually leading up to something, I'll do something stupid in the last few, you know, training sessions before the the big race, but
1: self-sabotage at its finest. Self
2: Sabotage. Yes. Mm. So you had these two points that he looks that he he mentions from his past and he said getting fit is easy expressing that fit is a challenge fitness is a challenge so that's that's number one and then number two this is the one that I just want to warn all of us with if you are sufficiently motivated it is easy to train yourself into the ground Mm -hmm. and uh I'm I'm really trying not to do that as we as we lead into Blue Ridge Relay and I think that's a challenge that that all of us can that Mm -hmm. should keep in mind absolutely Absolutely. while you're running your duathlon at while, while I'm doing 10 my duathlon to midnight it,
0: it, yeah exactly as my second <laughs> workout of the day. yeah no, and I'm I hear you.
2: finishing up my 14 point seven mile run with my daughter after running 10 miles <laughs> and two separate <laughs> runs earlier in the day.
1: I'm uh, still enjoying time on the couch.
2: <laughs> you're doing I'm here for couching. all of you
1: for all of you listeners who don't feel like training like George and Eric. there is so. space for you in this world. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: good that's good i appreciate that michelle someone has to ultra couch for us
0: that's right that's right well it's while, while, while both, of you, were, while both so... of you were while both of you were training for the soul rush 50 i was i was far more on the couch and so you know the the, the universe remains in balance
3: <laughs>
0: um, all right, we got two big things we're gonna talk about this week. The first big thing we're gonna talk about is the new coach of the Atlanta track club. Um, and so I can't remember whether they talked about it when uh the Atlanta Track Club made this announcement or not a few months ago, but um the director of the atlantic Track Club, who we've had on here before, uh Rich Kina, friend of the podcast. Um, uh, when he became the head of the Atlanta Track Club several years ago, he said expressly that he wanted to, to work on the competitive side of the Atlanta Track Club. Um, and to that end, he brought in a, a big name shoe sponsor. At the time, it was Mizuno, and they have since switched to, to Adidas. Um, And he brought in professional coaches, um, Amy and Andrew Begley. Uh, Amy is an Olympian. Andrew is her husband who coached her when she actually ran the Olympic 10,000 meters. Um, And they began building a team uh, that has on the team a lot of people that we've interviewed here on the podcast, which is great. Um, uh, It was announced a few months ago that, that Amy and Andrew Begley were moving on. Um, and that the Atlanta Track Club was launching a search for a new coach, uh, an international search for a new coach. Um, and they announced just in the last few days here um, that the new Atlanta Track Club coach starting on, officially starting on September 15th is Tommy Nohilly. Um, He's originally from Queens, New York. Um, He went to the University of Florida. Um, He was a steeplechaser, professional runner, steeplechaser for a while. Um, He finished fourth at the Olympic trials twice in both the 1992 Olympic trials and the 1996 Olympic trials. He finished fourth, which is a difficult place to finish. Cause of course it means you don't get to go to the Olympics. It means you just barely miss making the Olympic team. And if you actually combine together, both of those fourth place finishes, he missed the Olympic team by a total of one second, um, which is just kind of incredible. Um, he's a physiotherapist by training. Um, and he has an exercise sciences degree. Um, and then he's been, uh, Coaching a lot of different people over the course of the past few decades here. Um, but most recently with uh, the empire track club with a coach named John Taupman. Um He's worked with Frank Yagliano in the past um, who was rich Kana's coach. And that's probably part of his connection to him. Um, and uh, overall, he seems like he's excited to take the reins here at the Atlanta track club. Um, Michelle, what'd you think about this choice?
1: You know, I didn't know uh, that this was even like a potential. I I didn't expect them to hire somebody who had really never in their own right been a head coach. Um, That's not to say that you need to hire somebody that's been a head coach or, um, you know, that has sufficient experience as the head coach or the lead coach of a professional athlete. It's just not, it feels like Rich is kind of maybe just going back to, what he knows best or his era, so to speak. Mm. Um, I did listen to the podcast that came out today uh, with, with Tommy on it. And I I felt like I was listening a yeah, little the, bit. The,
0: the Sidious Mag podcast and an interview with, with yeah. him that they put out today. I listened to it too. It was good.
1: So I think the if you like gags, like Frank Agliano. Um, so a few years ago, Mario Fraoli released an interview with him and he actually went to his house and spent significant time with him. And this guy is true gags type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it is going to be so different, uh, for the Atlanta track club athletes, but also I hope, I feel like it might be a little bit of culture shock for him also. Like he is so New York. Um, (laughs) so I'm surprised.
0: That's one of the things that stands out when you hear him talk, not just because of his accent, but just because of his background, he's, he's, he's New Yorker through and through, and he works there now. And he said, if, "If he said the one thing he's not excited about is coming down to Atlanta Braves country. That there's no way he's going to be a Braves fan because he's a he's a diehard Mets fan."
1: Which um, is fine. We can we can handle those people. We deal with them all the time. Um, we share our highways with them every day, and it's a nightmare. But you know, anyway, um, I think I think an interesting thing about him, which really bodes well for the athletes that the Atlanta Track Club has, is you know they had um, at Empire Track Club. Not one athlete had ever made an NCAA final. And mm-hmm. they brought, you know, and they brought an athlete to kind of like top three, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think his belief of, you know, if you really set aside this period of time, you've got a certain span, three to five years, where you could take a runner, and if they're really willing to sacrifice everything, you know, and they go all in and and the relationship clicks. Like, it sounds like he can really help get everything out of that athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it feels and, like- And, that, and that was
0: his experience. Yeah. He said, he said sure. that he didn't really begin to develop as a, as a post-collegiate athlete until he was 26 years old. And he went from running an 838 steeplechase to an 816 steeplechase in, in, in a fairly short period of time after that. Um, and so so that was his experience as being somebody who was an extremely good collegiate athlete, but not one of the best to believe, to, to being one of the best steeplechases in the United States.
1: And and I highlight that because I feel like Atlanta track club, at least, um, you know, in the most recent, you know, the most recent Olympics and the last two world championships, we have so many athletes that are just knocking on that door. Mm -hmm. Um, and just kind of can't seem to, to execute and be kind of top three when it matters. So Mm -hmm. I think the combination of his knowledge, his experience, his approach to coaching. And then finally, and and he could not, you know, not emphasize this, he's going to have the support of the track club and Adidas. Mm-hmm. Um, and the athletes are paid. You know, I think this is, he said it came across his radar. I mean, he, nobody told him six months in advance that this position was coming available. He very much, you know, just threw his name into the hat um, at the same time that the rest of us saw the the public job posting essentially Mm -hmm. um so i like that he is candid about the fact that this is a lot and this was unexpected and this is uh you know exciting and terrifying and all at once um because i think if he was like oh i got this you know (laughs) it would be like super not authentic Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think honestly the culture is just my biggest uh like my biggest concern yeah,
0: so um, but... i i had I had a few thoughts about him, and and one of them was that 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 I think that Atlanta Track Club can be a place where people who are tenth best in the NCAA or eighth best in the NCAA can come and develop and become one of the best professional runners. I think that that's kind of the place that that or that's sort of the niche that that. Rich Kanaw, the director of the Atlanta Track Club, sees for the Atlanta Track Club. And I think that's a really, really important niche to fill. Um, I think that's a really, really important role to play in, in the, the system overall. I mean, top three, top four, those people are going to be professionals and they can have their choice of different clubs or groups or coaches. They, they can train however they want to train. Um, but, but so often the people that are able to succeed in the professional ranks are not the people who are necessarily the very best. When they are in college, by the same token, the people who succeed in college are not necessarily the ones who are the very best when they're in high school. I mean, it's just it's just a different environment. And so I do think that 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 is a strength of his, not only from his own personal experiences, but just in terms of of um, what he has shown his abilities to be as a professional coach um, that that will further that mission to to fill that niche. I think that's one thing. Another thing that I think is really interesting is the fact that he's a physiotherapist by training. I love um, that. I think that's cool. I think that's great. Um he said on that podcast you were talking about that he can actually sort of watch people run and see them run and he can actually um uh analyze their gait and their stride and look for what for ways that they are inefficient in how they run and that's something that most coaches can't do one of my favorite pieces of research over the course of the past several years um, was on a whole bunch of coaches watching athletes run and they asked the coaches who has the most efficient stride here Um, and there was no correlation between actual stride efficiency and who the coaches said were most efficient and that's because most coaches don't have the sort of training that he has sure. in physiotherapy, right? And so he can actually, I think, bring not only an understanding of exercise physiology, but also an understanding of of the way the 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 body machine actually works. Um, that I think will, will be super helpful for the athletes that he has. Yeah,
1: um, he said he had. 15 or 17 years of clinical experience. Yeah. Yeah. So with, with,
0: with the, with the Wharton clinic, which is like, you know, considered to be one of the the super high end clinics. So that's great. Um, And then the third thing is, I think, I just think he has a really healthy perspective, Um, you know, finishing fourth at the Olympic trials that changed the way he sees the world twice (laughs) by, by a grand total of, by, by an accumulated total of one second that changed the way he sees the world. Um, And I think he has a very healthy perspective, um, that I think will ultimately, um, improve the, the, the lives of the people he coaches. He said on there, um, on the podcast, that you and I both listen to uh, quote, you have to be connected to the idea of what you're doing and the pursuit of it, the experiences you're going to have, the people you're going to meet. That's really important. If you miss all that, what have you done in the end? Um, sure. And so I, I've always just as a coach, because I was a teacher and a coach, or I am a teacher and a coach. Um, I've always kind of seen coaching as, as a way of teaching and enrichment and things like that. Um, and so I, I appreciate that effectively he, he kind of sees the same thing that, that, yeah, you want to perform. Yes. You want to, to achieve competitive results, but at the same time, it's all about you being a, a well-balanced person who has meaningful experiences too. You know?
1: Yeah. So like um On that topic, Kyle Merber, who is part of Sidious Mag now, but was a professional runner and did run um, under, under Gags and under uh, him as well. You know, he said, Good coaches have the ability to explain why an athlete is training a certain way and great coaches have the ability to explain why not. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was really interesting because one of the questions that they asked him was specific to this like double threshold trend, Mm -hmm. you know, and he gave it's really worthwhile listening just his view on that and, you know, what it means for athletes and can't really kind of bundle them all in and, and just go with something because it's, it's the latest trend. Yep.
3: Um, I agree. Yeah,
1: I would he, say he,
0: he seems very sensible.
1: Yeah. That's a great <laughs> word. Yeah,
0: you know, that's so good. And, and yeah. I I feel like, I feel like I, I have come as I've gotten older and particularly amidst all of the, the, the trends and flashiness that, that uh, attend social media and influencers and that sort of thing. Like, I just appreciate sensibility. Just like, like sure you know, and, and he seems very sensible.
1: Yeah. I, I would say the, the fear I have, and this might just be for anybody coming in in his position is we are essentially less than 12 months before the Olympics. So we're right in the cusp of an Olympic year, like on the precipice of this is it. And I think it's really hard to, to be able to, you know, I mean, I hope that the track club, you know, made this hire with a bit of grace, maybe looking more to mm. 2028 LA, because I hope that he's sensible enough to not try to change too many things too quickly Um, mm. because it, it's pretty, I think he has some awesome talent to work with. I do think, you know, there's maybe a, a better potential for some of these current Atlanta track club members who've just kind of uh, been finishing fourth, fifth, sixth to be top three next year. But I definitely hope he doesn't have, such a crazy amount of pressure for Paris um, and, and and gets to kind of settle in and, and do things his way and see how that pans out over the next three to five years. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, you know, it's a big change. Um, the Begley's, they took Atlanta track club to a different place with rich. They definitely put it on the map and, you know, got a a shoe deal that gets all of our runners here in Atlanta, the elite team on par with every other shoe on the market, so to speak, whether it's a super shoe <clears throat> on the track or on the road so it's it's exciting to to see what's going to happen
0: i will be also interested to see so andrew and amy begley in addition to to coaching the uh, elite teams uh the professional runners they also coach the masters teams and and i i have actually had conversations with them about my own training several years ago um and so maybe i'll reconnect with the atc masters team here that i'm I'm about to turn 50 here and, uh, and, and end up working directly with this incredibly sensible coach. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. All right. So speaking of the Paris Olympics and the Olympic trials and all that sort of thing. And by the way, Michelle, I agree with you. I hope that the, the Atlanta track club is not putting pressure on him to try and turn out a whole bunch of Olympians next year. Um, uh, they did release this week, the Olympic trials marathon course, um, we talked about it before, um, when they announced that Orlando is going to be the host of the Olympic marathon trials for 2024. Um, and this week track shack, which is, um, a running specialty store there in Orlando, which has also been putting on races in Orlando since 1977. Um, they're organizing the race there in Orlando. Uh, they announced what the course was going to be there on February 3rd of next year. Um, uh, It's going to be televised live on NBC. They're going to have three hours of coverage from noon until three in the afternoon, Eastern time um, there on February 3rd, Saturday, February 3rd. The men's race is going to start at 1210 p.m. The women's race is going to start at 1220 p.m., which I'm sure we're going to talk about here a little bit more here in just a second. Um, The first loop, there's going to be one 2.2 mile loop and then three eight mile loops um, and it's going to showcase Orlando's Central Business District, City District, South Iola, Lake Eola Heights Historic District, Lake Cherokee Historic District, and Thornton Park District. Uh, the central or the finish, pardon me, is in front of the Walt Disney Amphitheater at Lake Eola Park, which I should mention has nothing to do with Walt Disney World. Um, absolutely
1: uh, nothing to yeah, do th- with
0: it. Yeah, this is this is not a this is not and and the people from Track Shack were were very adamant about this. This is not a Disney olympic trials this is the orlando olympic trials it's the city of orlando um it's not disney world even though track shack does uh manage a lot of the run disney races including the disney marathon um and so so it's finishing there at the walt disney amphitheater at lake eola park um it's also worth mentioning that there's a there's a 5k the next day for all of us including michelle who go and volunteer and then want to take part in the racing experience
1: what if you want to go to Disney World the next day? <laughs> Come on, George.
0: You can do both. You can. I, I don't imagine the 5K is going to be in the middle of the day. So you can do I that want, first thing in the morning and then, then go to Disney afterwards. Unless you're, you're going to miss Disney, rope drop. Yeah, you miss rope That's drop. That's a
1: whole problem. That is a whole separate podcast. Point taken. Oh point gosh.
0: taken. Yeah. So, Michelle, what would you think?
1: Um, I think that everything that had been rumored was basically just made official. Mm-hmm. So... I already think the controversy between awarding Orlando versus Chattanooga is, um, just, I don't know, just leaves like a bad taste in my mouth again for something USATF is in charge of. Um, but I think that the outcry about the noon start time and the temperature and all of that is, I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit, uh, hyperbolic in a way. Um, if you look at the Temper temperatures historically for Orlando on that day, I think it's like sixty nine to seventy four degrees. So that's about what Paris um is. The course profile is nothing like what's going to be in Paris. I mean, yeah. I don't know what the elevation is. I don't even know if it's hundred feet in Orlando. Um, Probably not Probably over twenty six miles. I think it's yeah. yeah. I mean, you only have a like an overpass maybe. Mm. Um, but and and Paris is you know significantly hillier obviously, but I just, it is what it is. And, you know, we just came across, um, nationals, so to speak, USA's, and there was complete outrage because nothing was live on NBC. And this is just, you know, what it essentially took to get NBC to broadcast the race live. A noon start time is like a a 9am start time, civic time. And it's just, another piece of a puzzle that doesn't like really favor the athletes so to speak but i think if you historically look at the olympic marathon it's never a race that's on you know this like perfect course with perfect weather so to speak um so whatever the amount of adversity there is in the trials i mean look at the weather from atlanta in february to what tokyo was you know in 2021 like that's a joke the more people spend the emotional energy to fight this, um, and to change it. And I'm not saying that it's not going to be changed. I do think there's a potential if, you know, it looks like it's going to be 90 degrees that they just put it back earlier. Um, but it's not, it just doesn't seem worth it to me. Um, I love Des's approach to it. Um, she's like, well, you know, it's, uh, I usually start my workouts at 11, so it's an extra hour of sleep for me. Um, but you know, it is really the heat. If it is really hot, um, and the later start time for athletes that are used to race racing first thing in the morning, mm. it becomes an equalizer. Um, and the Olympics are essentially the ultimate equalizer. Mm. So I think people just need to shift their focus to the training, honestly, um, and 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 stop worrying about something they have no control over. I don't so, know. So That's an unpopular opinion,
0: unless you're French. <laughs> Well, I mean, so so you 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 made a lot of points all there at one time, and so so let, let, let's kind of okay.
1: parse well, them a little bit. Um, I have thoughts, so
0: I know, and that's the reason why why I love having you as my podcast co host along with Eric. Um, uh, so let, let, let's kind of parse those a little bit. So so NBC is going to be broadcasting it, like I said, live. They're going to be showing it live, and and that's something that. NBC uh, and and all sorts of other people who who cover track and field get criticized for not doing like NBC never shows the Olympics live and they show this like super hyper produced thing with all sorts of like mood. They even do the commentary later on in order to try and like build up these dramatic moments and that sort of thing. Um, And and they're actually me carrying it live, which is cool. But the cost of their carrying it live was that they wanted to actually have it in the middle of the day on a Saturday from 12 to three, which means the race needs to be run from 12 to three. And that means that in Orlando, Florida, um, on February 3rd, where the average temperature is in the 70s, they're going to be running the Olympic trials marathon. And that is less than ideal marathon conditions, given the heat and humidity of that place. Um, Less than
2: ideal marathon conditions for what?
1: Oh, I mean, it's not going to be this like,
2: here. well, is it less than ideal for preparing yourself for the actual event you're going to run? Or is it let or for reading out those who may not be able to handle the okay. actual conditions well, of the day so of the race? Or is it less two- than ideal for PR? Or no. less than ideal for a Typically, fall race that we run in the U.S.
1: So, I don't necessarily think. I think there's an idea that you can perform your best in a marathon between, you know, let's say, thirty-eight and fifty-two degrees, low humidity, uh, relatively flat course, so to speak. I, I, I don't I think, think
0: that's. I don't think that's an idea. I think that's a fact. Well, yeah, sure. So,
1: <laughs> so, but, so, the problem for American men specifically is that if we don't have guys who have hit this standard before this race and the day is boiling hot and the conditions just don't, you know, it's just warfare out there, we actually risk the potential of not sending not even three men to the Olympic marathon, but not even one man to represent I mean, the United States. And
0: so, so, and th- and that's yet another point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but but
1: but I don't think anything Eric said. Like, I mean, ideal conditions. There are just factually ideal conditions.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 Eric's point, actually, I think I think the point that Eric's trying to make is the same point that you were trying to make a, a minute ago, Michelle. That you did make a minute ago, and and that's the the if you put people in a less than ideal situation for the trials, you will determine who it is that thrives best in less than ideal marathon conditions. And, and by doing that, you're going to find the people that are going to perform best at the Olympic marathon, because the Olympic marathon is not run in ideal conditions. Is, 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 is that kind of, is that kind of what you're saying, Eric?
2: I am. And that's, that's something that, you know, I, I kind of coach to that. Now I'm not coaching Olympic athletes. And I'm, I, Michelle makes a very good point about the standard. You know, you have to, it's not just winning the race or coming in top three, you have to make the standard, but ultra is different. You know, the, none of the courses are the same and they're so different that you can't compare one 50 mile race to the next 50 mile race. Typically, one's running on a one mile loop, one's run on a three mile loop, one's run on a out and back. One's a point to point. You know, one has 5,000 feet of elevation change. One has 17,000 feet of elevation change. You can't compare those. So I, I typically coach and think in terms of the conditions of the day, you know, my condition, the course conditions, the weather conditions determine how well you do. But if you can match the conditions of one race to the a race you're going for, I think you have a better chance of seeing like uh, a might equal B or it'll be a closer approximation to B. So if we can closely approximate what the Olympic conditions are going to be with this race, then we have a better chance. I'm not going to say we have the best chance, but we have a better chance of ultimately selecting the right runners to go to that.
0: And, race. And and so, so I'm going to kind of take your point or I'm, I'm going to sort of extrapolate a little bit from your point so, so as Michelle said the Paris marathon course which has been released and is stunning by the way stunning. um it is it I is run it. a yeah I know me too it is it is a is a mind-blowingly gorgeous course that showcases everything that is Paris France um but but it's but it's not an ideal marathon course right um and nope. so so even though this race does not mimic that course in terms of elevation um, that we should try to make our trials some way less than ideal, that we should actually yes. expressly try to make them less than ideal um, since the Olympic marathon is not an ideal place. And so because the, because, because the course is flat, maybe actually we're better off starting the race at noon in order to create less than ideal conditions.
2: Right. And we talked about this with altitude training. We don't have altitude in the Southeast, Mm -hmm. but we do have heat and humidity. Mm -hmm. And they call that the poor man's altitude training Mm -hmm. for a reason, because it puts you under stress, Mm -hmm. not because it is a a mimicking stress, but it puts you under stress. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah, I mean, so by, by by this rationale, and I just want to make sure I'm underlining this point, even though I just said it by this rationale or by the rationale that you're 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 asserting here eric you're saying that actually we're better off having the race at noon we being the united states are better off having this race at noon than than we would be having it at 6 a.m regardless of television coverage
2: from an athlete selection perspective important point because there's another perspective that you've brought up Mm -hmm. do we want more people to be interested in the sport and if we do, we have to have some sort of good coverage.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Ultimately, like ultimately long term, that's good for the sport. So the 12 to 3 block was the, the block that was going to get us NBC to have live coverage. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's other reasons why it's good. But from an athlete selective, selecting perspective, I think it's a good thing to have more mm-hmm. adversity.
0: Now, Michelle mentioned the the perspective of, of the American All men. Of now, now the, the American men are, find themselves in a conundrum here where it's possible that the top three people who cross the finish line at the trials will not be the top three people who go to the Olympic Games to represent the United States in the marathon. and And... They have made, and we've complained about this on the podcast before, they have made the qualifying process for the Olympics so convoluted over the course of the past few years that I, I really don't want to go into that right now. Um, I am sure that in January we'll do a preview of the Olympic Trials Marathon, and we'll talk about that then, but... Um, but but I, but I do think that that's that's a concern, um, but it's not a concern that's really going to be addressed by this. I will say that, that another perspective, in addition to the athlete selection perspective that Eric, you just talked about, um, is the athlete safety perspective. And I think, Michelle, you, you referred to this. We're hearing from a lot of athletes right now who are complaining about the start time because they're looking at it from the athlete's safety perspective. Um, you know, it's, it's worth mentioning that USATF, the governing body of the uh, Olympic track and field trials, uh, including the marathon trials, um, is currently facing a lawsuit related to the impacts of extreme heat on athletes. Uh, Talia Brooks, who we talked about before on this podcast, she filed a lawsuit against the national governing body after she collapsed at the 2021 U.S. Olympic trials in 100 plus degree temperatures. And so they're already under scrutiny for putting athletes under undue stress vis-a-vis heat.
1: Which which is why I think if it's clear that it's going to be, you know, like 90 degrees or something, there will be some type of shift in start time to protect the athletes but that's think, not going to be there I mean they do it all the time for other stuff
0: but but they've not, done, they have but, but live not coverage not, so. exactly not with this live television coverage there though
1: they will shift it if if it's 90 degrees I don't know
0: I I, I don't you were there in Los Angeles you can in 2016 stream it
1: and then and then yeah, but it was a different situation.
0: You were there in 2016. How hot was it in 2016 when they're also talking about it was so hot?
1: Oh, it was, we stood at the start line and sweat. I mean, I, I walked from the hotel to the start. Kara Goucher was in front of me and she had on an ice vest and was still sweating. Mm-hmm.
0: And it was, so, it, was, it was over 80 degrees, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, but the problem, yeah, the bigger problem with that also was that the, the race, the, the whole race was not prepared for that weather. Yeah, and they thought that they had prepared, but they made like literally like cataclysmic mistakes. Is that even the worst? That's the It is. Um, yeah. You know, it was like they wanted to have extra. I mean, everybody's heard this a million times. They wanted to have extra cold water cloths, and they inadvertently ordered cloths that had soap in them that right. you can't tell until you put the cloths in the water, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. I just you we, we, nobody has any control over whether they're going to move the start time, right? So. What like I
0: cannot imagine them moving the start time, but we'll okay, see. so
1: then, so then, don't so then focus on what you can control. Mm-hmm. this This, to me, like the start time thing is like, okay, well, I'm gonna run a race at ten thousand feet, and I've got to go up and over twelve thousand feet a few times. I'm gonna do everything else possible to be ready for everything that I can control, and that's not something I can control. That is just mm-hmm. part of the race. Mm-hmm. Right now, that is how these Olympic potential Olympic marathoners need to look at February. I don't think we're going to stop hearing an outcry. I think there's going to, but it, but it just, it's going to, it sounds like whining. It's Uh, So,
0: so Sarah Hall, and I'm no fan of Sarah Hall, as we discussed last week, Sarah Hall, no relation, no uh, relation, no relation to Eric Hall. Thank you for that. Uh, (laughs) Sarah Hall tweeted uh, the Olympic trials should be a race similar to the games and not a slog of attrition. USATF, listen to the athletes. Listen to what we said after the 2016 marathon trials, where half the field dropped out in conditions cooler and less humid than Orlando will likely be. She um, sounds Sisson, like an
1: idiot. The uh, Olympic marathon is a race of attrition.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Emily Sisson, um, who won the U.S. Olympic trials uh, in 80 degree temperatures um, in 2021, uh, tweeted, USATF needs to be prepared to take delay. Kind of like you said, Michelle, not sure what temp cutoff should should be to move it. But at noon, sun will still feel strong. Uh, We'll heat prep for it. But even training in Orlando in January probably won't be warm enough. Don't need perfect weather. Just want safe. Um, um, And then, you know, by contrast, you mentioned this, Michelle, before uh, Des Linden tweeted, quote unpopular opinion but as someone who starts my runs at roughly 11 a.m i'm pretty geeked on the extra hour to goof around before training
1: god i Uh, love her warmer
0: temps should slightly minimize the pace of super shoes and reward smart racing so
3: yeah
1: she's not wrong (laughs) so somebody like her needs every you know non-mechanical advantage there is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it'd be great i mean could you imagine it's like Mm -hmm. 86 degrees and Des just kicks everyone's ass. Oh, God, that'd just be glory. <laughs> Sorry, uh, and, a little biased over here.
0: And, and on that note, that's probably where we should leave it. Um, so very good. Um, you know, I, I I think we will continue to, to, to see whether there's any changes to this. We, of course, will talk about it on the podcast if there are. And we will have a preview podcast, I am sure, come January about the Olympic trials marathon, which I look forward to. Um, Michelle, you're definitely volunteering, though, right? We've already said this a few times.
1: No, I'm not. I don't. And and you're
0: definitely running the 5K the next day, right?
1: I'm not volunteering. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. (laughs) I I have to be honest. We've had a verbo for um, since they announced Orlando. You're spectating.
0: You're spectating.
1: Yeah, I'm spectating. All right. Well, what I really want to do, I think, go to Disney World on Friday, and then we spectate on Saturday, and then go to Disney World on Sunday. But just don't tell my kids.
0: I won't tell your kids. I mean,
1: it's. I'm not going to Orlando and not going to disney world so it's going to be sort of a multi-purpose trip very uh, different than when the trials was here and that whole weekend was very much just 110 running so um, awesome
0: very cool yeah. very cool eric thanks for being with us man hey always fun thanks for having me george
1: michelle right,
0: as always we appreciate you
1: have a good weekend you too don't, don't run too much guys it's not it's just not necessary <laughs>
0: Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasant podcast, on Instagram at most pleasant exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. Be sure to share us with your friends. We're brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com. Their Twitter is at ITL Coaching, and their Facebook group is facebook.com slash ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them on Instagram at ITL Coaching. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com, on Instagram at Elemental Altitude, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Elemental Altitude. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at BluePineappleTravel.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BluePineappleTravel, or on Instagram at BluePineappleTravel. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at HighEchelonCPA.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.